once in a while you meet somebody and you go, wow, I'm really impressed with this person. And then you say, well, how did they get to where they are and what's their story? And you look at somebody who's, you know, successful and impressive in whatever way. And you have to figure that they've probably made a few mistakes along the way, too. I mean, most people have. I'm sure if you talk to Bill Gates or Oprah, they'd probably say, yeah, you know, I made a few mistakes along the way. So this week, we're going to have a guest on the podcast. I love having guests on the podcast. Uh, and she is somebody that I met a month or two ago. And I said, she's pretty impressive. Let's get her on the show. And you're going to meet her in just a couple of seconds this week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and don't steal anything. Let's get started. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast and listening. I appreciate you as always. I was at an air show. It was called Girls in Aviation Day about a month or so ago, two months ago. And uh, I met a lot of really cool people. I met a pilot who's, she's a pilot for, I think, Sun Country. And I met some other people who are, you know, mechanics and teachers and et cetera. And then I met, uh, and they were all impressive, but, but I didn't ask them to be on the show because I just figured I'll ask Stephanie because I'm going to ask somebody. Hi, Stephanie. Hello, Dave. How so are you? So let's get your resume here because I know you are a pilot and that's kind of what you and I met over and kind of we bonded over. Yes. So you're a pilot, but you do more. What else do you do? Yeah. So uh, I was a news anchor for about 10 years and then uh, now I do communications coaching and speaker training. So I help executives and managers and frontline staff, everyone on their communication and to be able to speak better present and get over those jitters of getting on stage. Okay, because they're so that's so it's such an important skill. Totally. Because I used to be in Toastmasters and yes. there's so many bad speakers in the world and you can make yourself better. So you fly all over the world and do speaker training and motivational speaking. Absolutely, yes. So it ranges anything from a, a CEO or an executive who has a big presentation to to financial uh, advisors who need to be able to influence people better to I worked with MasterCard recently on how do you have more difficult conversations better? Because everyone has to have these difficult conversations, but we avoid them like the plague. Oh, totally. And the more totally. we push them away, the less productive we can be. And so helping people on, on all levels of their communication. Now, here's what's interesting about that is, okay, you might have this skill, but you also had the skill to get yourself in front of MasterCard. So now that we had a woman on this morning, she's an artist and she's a really talented artist, but she doesn't know how to get herself out there. So not only do you know about speaking and management and that type of thing, you also knew how to get your face in front of MasterCard. So there's another skill set right there. It's a huge skill set that is trial and error. But I learned from some of the best consultants and business minds that I could find on how do you build a business. And there's all different kinds of ways. But from what I found that is the most effective is you have to actually get in front of them. So the best are referrals. So if you have a friend who works at General Mills, Ask them to connect you there. If you have someone that you know that you want to get into Target, um, speak with someone. If there's a manufacturing company that you want to get in front of, maybe reach out to them even on LinkedIn or an email. But the thing is you've got to get in front of them. As much as social media and online is important, most of the time for individual or small consulting groups or firms, it's it, that's not really where the, the work comes from. And actually the rule that I found is kind of a, a arbitrary number, but it's the 16 to 1 rule. Okay. Take any numbers. It could be 16, it could be 30, it could be two, whatever. But for example, you have to talk to at least 16 people. And of those 16 people, you'll get eight people that 
might respond back to you of those possible eight responses about maybe three of them will result in a conversation. And then of those three conversations, you might get one person who asks for a proposal to do work with you. And then you might get work from that one person. So you have to throw a lot of stuff at the wall for a little bit to stick. But wouldn't you say, Stephanie, because I'm so guilty of this, and I think a lot of people are, we'll try something. We'll be like, you know what? I want to get in front of Anderson Windows, and I want to do a presentation and, and teach them how to speak. So I called over at Anderson Windows. They never called me back. So that doesn't work. So, but I guess I think we, we want to give up too early. You know what I mean? It's like I called Anderson Windows. Well, did you also try calling Cargill and Best Buy? And did you, well, no. So yes. we kind of give up a little bit early. No, we absolutely do. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I was just thinking about this actually this morning. Just because you're meant to do something or called to do something in this world doesn't mean it's going to be easy to do that work. Every single day, this work that I do that I feel like I'm, gifted at and called to do and all of that is not just easy and all of a sudden people just come running to me for it. Even though I've gotten great feedback and people say that I'm very talented at it, doesn't mean that just the work will come. And so, you know, if you reach out to Cargill or you reach out to Target or Best Buy or whomever, or even smaller organizations, they might not have a need for it or an interest at that time. And so what what I discovered is you just got to hang around the hoop and eventually the (laughs) rebound will come. But if you're not around the hoop, you can't get the rebound. And so reaching out to them, connecting and making that connection and say, I'm here just to let you know a little bit about the services or the products that I provide if you'd ever need them in the future. First of all, it feels like you're not selling to them and you genuinely just want to go, hey, I want to let you know that I exist in case you ever need me. And I've had clients where I, I got, um, I had a conversation with someone in May of, of, of the, that year and they didn't come back to me after multiple, multiple emails back and forth of them saying, yeah, we'd maybe be interested. Yes, we'd love this. And it was just like silence for months and months and months. And you're like, well, they're never coming back. And all of a sudden they came out of nowhere. This was like a top fortune, like hundred company. They came out of nowhere uh, a few months later and they're like, can you help on this massive project? What I realized is that it's not about me. It's about them, that they have a timeline. They have all different kinds of stuff on their plate and also different companies move super fast and some Mm -hmm. move super slow. Super slow, yeah. And so some that move super fast, all of a sudden they're like, we need you yesterday. Can you be here? And you're like, "Um, I'm booked out for the next six months or two months. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could. Or it'll be, oh my gosh, perfect timing because I have nothing for the next three months. Now, you can tell when you listen to Stephanie, you can tell that she's, you know, I'll brag for you, that she's, you know, very bright and very, very talented. But you may never even have a desire to get in front of Cargill or Target or whatever. So let's back up to just somebody like who's getting out of college or just wants to, maybe they're 35 and they're not just getting out of college, but they just need some general tips in life in general. I always say, look at somebody who's doing what you want to do and then find out how they did it. Now, I might not ever want to be a speaking management consultant, but I want to be successful. So I want to find out some of the mistakes that you made because that's what the show is all about. What mistakes you might have made or saw other people make that I can learn from. For example, there was a guy at the radio station who, who was the thief and everybody knew that when something was missing, it was probably him that did it. So I always say, don't steal anything. That's the, uh, part of the title of my podcast and my book because you don't want every time a computer or a laptop or printer paper is gone, well, well, I bet it was Donna because Donna steals stuff all the time. So 
that's the kind of stuff we were talking about this earlier. Um, I was talking about how once in a while lessons will pop into my mind. I was at scout camp last week and I was telling Stephanie that at the end of scout camp, we had to clean up the cabin and I'm like, okay, you Tommy go grab a mop and you Billy go grab a, 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 a broom. And they held them wrong. You could tell that they'd never held one of these instruments in their hands before. And they're holding it like a fishing pole. An and, they're tr- <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, mental note, tell anybody who's listened to the podcast. If you have a kid, by the age of five or ten at the latest, they should know how to maybe sweep a floor. But you had something like that happen, too. I did. I was like 15 years old, and by that time, I'd been doing chores for probably 14 years. And so at that time, clearly knew how to vacuum, dust, do dishes, all of that. And I went to my friend's house, and we're playing around, and then her mom's like, hey, can you help do the dishes? And I could tell that my girlfriend was like, I can't just say no, because she didn't know how to do them. And But so she tried. So she fills up the sink with ice cold water and then just starts putting dishes in them and like she's washing them, (laughs) but not any soap, not hot water, not anything. And I just stood there like, is this real? Is this happening? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, and so at 15 years old, here's somebody who had never washed dishes before. Yeah. So there are all these lessons. So back to the beginning, I met Stephanie and I said, let's learn what we can from Stephanie. So I, she was so busy that it was difficult. We had to schedule you like a month out. I always you got, have time for you, Dave. You got stuff going on. <laughs> um, uh, so let's just start somewhere. What? Yeah. Give me a story that you learned something from. So early on in my career in broadcast, um, I, as a broadcaster, and as you know, as a radio personality, you, you have to put yourself out there, but you kind of have to, quote, know a lot or act like you know what you're talking about at the very least and be competent. Well, of course, but it's amplified because you're on such a big stage. Well, I think I almost took it to a whole new level and I just naturally was like that. So I was coming across as, you know, strong, knowing what I was talking about and all of that, except for that was the other side. It was like a double-edged sword that I was confident, but I was getting cocky. My boss took me aside, a boss that was known for giving tough feedback. And so it was hard to take it from someone that you didn't really want to hear that from. And he said to me, Stephanie, you act like you know everything. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm like, oh, huh, there it is. Yeah, that's like, I just did that. I just act like I knew and I didn't know everything all at the same time. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I do act like I know it all. And it was really hard to hear that from him. I was angry, a little bit pissed and a little I did not hear that feedback for like I like shut it out for like at least a couple of weeks. And then over time, I sat back and I thought, OK, first of all, I learned really, really hard later on in life, too, that feedback is a gift. And you have to look at feedback as what is the feedback, no matter who it's coming from, just what is the feedback? And is there even any grain of salt in it? Because so often we're like, no, I don't do that. What are you talking about? That's not me. Instead of coming defensively, going, okay, just objectively as a third party, could this possibly even have a grain of salt of truth? So I looked at that and I said, yeah, um, gosh, I do kind of come across a little bit like I know it all. And so then I looked at who was giving it to me. And although it was someone I didn't really like all the time, it was someone that I had to respect. And I was like, yep, that's accurate feedback. And I need to change this. I was so grateful. And I'm so grateful to this day for him telling me that because I never want to come across like I am arrogant, too good or cocky or anything. I'm so far from that. Um, But you do have to come across as confident. So now I understand that line of confidence versus arrogant or cocky. 
It's a tough one, though. I didn't need to hear that. Uh, you know what? I, I find that so interesting on so many levels because in my business, I coach other morning shows because the company's like, Dave, you've been doing this a long time. You seem to know what you're doing. Will you coach some other shows in, in iHeartMedia? And some of them go, wow, well, here's somebody who's doing a long time with some success. I want to listen to his feedback. And other ones resist that feedback every step of the way. And they do exactly what you did. No, I don't. And I thought that's so... First of all, I do you think that in 2019 there's kind of an attitude in our culture of I don't want to be judged, even at work, when it's somebody's job to listen to their boss and whatever she or he says, you really got it's like, well, you don't like them very much maybe, but they're my boss because I give feedback and a lot of the time I get pushback to the point where I go, screw it. I don't even want to give you feedback anymore because you always resist it. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 easy for the person who's receiving it to just resist it because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But the person, it's easy on the outside to say, we'll just take that and receive it. But if we step back and we go, let's say that Tiger Woods stopped getting feedback on his golf swing and is like, nope, I know it all. At like the age of 10 or 15, he's like, nope, I'm not going to learn anything new about my golf swing. You think he would be the Tiger he is today? Not a chance. And so I, when I talk about coaching and training and when I give it, I say, look at this like having a coach is the exact same as an elite athlete. Do you want to be elite at what you do? Probably. Well, the higher people go in an organization, but the higher people go as athletes, the more coaches they have, the more feedback they get, and the more that they take it. So they learn to be these ever sponges. But you can also take feedback and take it with a grain of salt and not this defensive barrier wall. And so what I've done from now is when people give me feedback, I just, I take it more at ease and I'm like, okay, I don't take it necessarily as gospel, but I say, where's this feedback coming from? Okay. Could this be partially true? Probably is. And then from there, how can I act on being, uh, on, on the feedback they gave me to be better? That is so wise because I think you're so right. I learned so much early in my career from people who gave me feedback. We used to get, they call them air check meetings where you take in, back then it was a cassette of your show. Yeah. You take it into the boss's office every Thursday at nine and he would listen to it. And I hated it because it was always like, you hear what you did there, this was wrong or that was good. You know, we throw in some good, and I hated it, but I learned so much in those. Let me ask you this one. As a manager, if you're a manager who listens to the podcast and you've got Jeffrey who is sloppy and misspells stuff all the time, you bring in Jeffrey. How do you give Jeffrey feedback without Jeffrey likely to put that wall up? Yeah, it depends on who you're talking to. So you've got to know your audience first and foremost. If it's someone who actually likes you being direct, be direct with them. But it doesn't mean to be a jerk. It means being direct and honest and kind. Like you got to have that kindness wrapped around it, even from someone who doesn't feel like they have that kind of empathy or, or gene or anything. You can be cordial to someone. Um, if your audience, though, is someone who's going to put their wall up, there is this adage of the good news sandwich or the bad news sandwich, I should call it, yep. where um, the burger buns are, are the good things and then the meat in the middle is the negative news. Yep. I, I'm not a huge fan of that. What I think is most important is, if you want to use that analogy, the first thing should be... Um, like you do want to point out to them, we value you and we love you as a host of this show. In fact, um, we really, we love like the ratings were great. Sweeps was fantastic. And actually we had this and this and this that we, that we could feedback on you. You can also start by saying something that's empathizing with them. So if you know that they're really struggling with something, you can say, listen, um, we are thrilled to have you part of this team. And we know things are challenging right now, especially with this change in management. It's not easy for anyone. And then here comes the bad news, if you will. Well, we're seeing that 
some of your performance on air is really struggling. You're just not as focused as you used to be. You're not as on point. Um, how can we make that better? So like you almost end with what's the solution? How can we help you? And how can we move forward? Now, if there are things that are very, very, very tough where it's to the point of needing to let that person go, yeah. you have to be honest with that too. You can't sugarcoat anything, but you can do it in a way that has this kindness and this respect tied to it while still being very direct and honest. I think the best feedback or or the best uh, message to someone that, that is a challenging message or a difficult message, it should be firm, not defensive, and not uh, almost dictator-like to them. It can be firm without being mean. That's so interesting because you're right. We, I learned in Toastmasters about public speaking, you know, we're all just a bunch of neighborhood moms and dads. And so, you know, somebody would get up into a speech that was not very good, and then the person who would give them feedback was so kind about it that they'd sit down going, God, I did pretty good. It's like, no, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. So we learned and we got harder on each other. It's like, no, you, we are going to be hard on each other because we're not going to get any better if we don't point out your mistakes because you'll do a terrible speech and sit down going, wow, I did great. Um, so there's feedback and we could, again, we could we go, go on. on that. Oh, yes, exactly. So, so give me another one. This yeah. is Stephanie with another lesson that you've learned in your life. Uh, don't count yourself out from anything that you could possibly do in life. Uh, I did not plan out my career to be exactly how it was. Uh, I actually went to school to be a pharmacist at the U of M and went into my first chemistry class. And I was like, that actually sounds like a foreign language because it's so confusing to me. Uh, I loved chemistry in high school. had a great teacher in college. I just, it was, it went over my head. And I thought, I don't want to be a pharmacist for, or go into do chemistry for this long I need to choose something else. Now, why why pharmacy? Well, my dad was a pharmacist. I worked in his pharmacy for years, and I loved it. But apparently that wasn't supposed to be my path. And so I went into in, uh, sports broadcasting because I loved sports. And I was like, I loved, I loved broadcasting. I loved kind of that side of being able to tell stories. And it, it found me. I don't really feel like I found it, which was very interesting. But from there, I took it and had a great career for about a decade in news and sports. Then, never in a million years did I think I'd be moving on from that because I thought that I would be doing that my entire career. For sure, yeah, that's years. usually a career, yeah. Exactly. But I, at one point, I said, I need more freedom and ownership over my time and over what I create and what I give out into the world or what I work on. And that's when I thought maybe I could do some speaking, communicating, motivational type of things because um, I'd already also started a nonprofit and been doing a lot with that. So uh, I said, all right, I'm just going to leave this business and go do that and start my own business. If someone said to me in college, you're going to start your own business. Oh, and you're also going to be a pilot someday. I would have laughed at them and said, not in a million years. If they also would have said, you're going to be living in, in Fargo or in North Dakota for 10 years after, <laughs> after school, I would yeah. have said, no way. Nope. Little did I know it was the, some of the most, the best years of my life. So not having this idea of this perfect world that we envision is going to be, I think is really helpful for kids starting out because then they don't, like your first job's not going to be your dream job. I'm just going to tell you that maybe second or third or fourth won't, but all of them are building you up to be the exceptional leader, the exceptional manager, the exceptional frontline great staff that they are. Mm -hmm. That's what's building you up to do that. But if we pigeonhole ourselves to say, I have to do this and I have to do this, it's got to look like this. We're just setting ourselves up for disappointment. Someone put it very well, though. They said there's a big difference between goals and expectations. If we expect that we are going to work at the Today Show and we never, ever do, we're always going to be 
let down. Okay. If we have a goal that someday we really want to work at the Today Show, we're going to do everything we can to make it there. But if we don't make it, of course, it'll be a little disappointing, but we never expected that fully to happen. We just had it as a goal. Very interesting. Okay. It was a much different mind frame change because here's the thing. Maybe you're not destined to be on the Today Show. Maybe you're destined to be uh, actually running a fleet of garbage trucks that you absolutely love. Like, you have no idea. And um, and so allowing yourself to be open to that and not counting yourself out, especially because as a pilot, I thought you have to know everything about math and science. Remember that chemistry class in college? You were not yep. math and science. Not at all. No. And But if I had counted myself out early on, I never, ever would have actually jumped into something that has become the greatest love of mine. That is so interesting. Okay, you mentioned your foundation, your charity. What is it? It's called Imagine Thriving. Okay. Uh, it was called the Gets Mental Wellness Initiative, and we like to adjust it and and, and evolve it into Imagine Thriving because um, the psychiatrist that helped us start it, um, he uh, it's a mental health initiative or mental health nonprofit, um, and he likes to help kids imagine themselves thriving versus imagining themselves negative or, or any sort of negative place. And so that's why we thought Imagine Thriving, this positive hope and healing um, kind of organization. And so what they are, um, uh, what it is, is a mental health nonprofit that puts uh, mental health professionals in schools, basically like a school nurse. Uh, so we now have a school mental health professional that identifies kids that are struggling and then goes to counseling appointments with them, goes to the family's home, helps them to be that connecting point between the silos that usually are the school mental health and, uh, and home. And so they help them uh, with that mental health facility, help them at home, help them at school, um, and then also help defray some of the costs, like paying for counseling appointments, paying for taxi rides to counseling appointments. Wow. Um, and it's actually all across the entire state of North Dakota at the moment. So if someone had told me that I would have started something that went that big, never in a million years would I have believed them. But what a gift. That's so impressive yeah. because, you know what, that's not something that most people are worried about. Okay, I'm going to have my career and my life and my family and my interests and my hobby. Most people never get to the point where they go, I want to start a nonprofit. Yeah. So that's very admirable. When when do you sleep, Stephanie? <laughs> How do you? No, I'm kidding. All right. So we've talked a little bit about, um, and I agree with that. Because think about it, if you would have been a pharmacist and you could have done it, I mean, you would have studied and got a tutor yeah. and you would have done it and you would have hated it and you would have stood <laughs> behind the counter at CVS and you would have said, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? And right? you know what? For me, it's interesting. I probably would have been like, I love this. I get to talk to people and counsel them and help them, but uh, you know, get to let them go on their way. I mean, it's, I always try to make as good out of anything as I can. So you're, I mean, the the old the old cliche um, glass half full kind of a person. Um, uh, is there a secret to being more positive? Because we all know somebody who's like, well, yeah, I want a free trip to Hawaii. I'll probably rain the whole time I'm there. It's like, <laughs> are you serious? Because we all yeah. know somebody like that. Is it just a matter of choosing to be happier? Or you're just kind of born that way. Listen, I, I, if I had the secret gift of that, I'd be making millions and billions of dollars. But I will say, just from a just from my own personal experience, it, I think it is something that you have to choose as much as you can. Um, you know, of course, there are so many. I'm not going to be a mental health professional here and say um, that everyone's the same or it works just one way for, for one or the other because there are physiological and DNA um, differences in all of us. But I, I, I think we can choose as much as possible um, to see things a different way as much as we can and con continually to try to go, okay, I'm going to 
see this in a positive light. I'm going to see if I can see the good out of this because there's a lot of good that can come even out of negative. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially, I mean, there's all kinds of stories of people um, like Tony Robbins grew up in like the most a really horrific uh, early childhood life with um, with a lot of struggles. He's the big motivational and guru. He, yes. Yeah. And he, because of those struggles, wants to help and support and build up other people's lives and has created a, a far better world because of actually the struggles he went through. So, but you know, at times you do have to face the struggles and you do have to cry it out or get angry or get frustrated and to not like say suffer or not, not to push down those feelings, but to say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to honor this right now. I'm really mad. I'm really pissed. I'm really frustrated. I'm really sad. Let it, let it flow. And then also go, but at the core, I believe that we can be really outlook good positive people as much as possible i'm a big tony robbins fan too so yeah. a lot of what i learned in my life i've learned from listening to his programs like you know you sit there and you listen in your car for like a month and you keep your little journal did you do all that too yeah yes well, yes i mean there's always there's always something like you're always trying to learn and grow and do something different and yep. sometimes it's like just sticking at one thing and doing that really good for a month or two months or something like that i love it yeah uh stephanie we're uh, I, I don't want to keep exhausting you know if, when you're running out of stories let me know but do you have another one you want to share with us so, so that we learn something from this one is a very practical one okay don't ride a horse <laughs> When it's 100 degrees out and it's already been ridden for like 30, 40 minutes on a great trail ride, okay. don't be the next person to get on that horse. Now tell me, what, yeah. you, what why is that? What, how did you learn example. this lesson? Yeah, yeah. when I was about 12 years old, we were out on my uncle's uh, farm, a cattle ranch in western North Dakota, and my brothers and I were, uh, you know, were my brothers and my mom had gone out on these three horses and it was about 90 or 100 degrees. They go out, they have a good time, they're probably for out for a half hour, 40 minutes on a trail ride, and it's really flipping hot. They come back to the barn, and anyone who knows horses knows the second they know they're going back to the barn, they are absolutely thrilled, and sometimes it's hard to contain them. Well, the horses came back because they're like, yes, we're done, get yes. this sweaty human off my back. Well, my mom's like, nope, just kidding, horse named Candy. Um, you're going to have another rider on you, and we're going to go for another ride again. That thing that you hated so much? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go do that. And that was me. You're the second rider. I was the second rider. So we go out, and then we come back, and the second that we crossed the creek, and it was like, I'm going home. It's like, and I'm not going home with this little human on my back. So I'm 12. This horse, however many tons of pounds it was, it was about 13, 14, maybe 15 hands high. So really, well, about 15. It was a tall, relatively tall horse. And it starts bucking, like rearing straight up, like from a Western video. Yeah. And I'm just holding on to, I don't know what to do. I just held on to just the reins. Well, I should have hold, held on to probably the horn and the reins and probably should have turned the horse because if you turn them and like you kind of disorient them, their head flicks over. Oh, is that right? It's, I it, didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's all different kinds of ways, but what I've learned is that it's instead of just pulling them back, their mouth has gotten so used to having a bridle in it that they're like, this isn't even painful. But if you yank it to one side, it's really disorienting to um, for for their head. And so pu pulling it to one side to stop it, to stop everyone, uh, I didn't know that. I just held it and pulled Sure, pull, you're pull a 12-year-old pull girl. You're probably not an expert horseman Horsewoman. Horsewoman, <laughs> yes. Horse <laughs> exactly. person. And so I pull it back and nothing happens. It just keeps bucking and bucking. And it throws me about... 20 feet and I hit a fence and oh my gosh and, and and fall and I probably blacked out for a second but got up and you know that wind knocked out of you Have oh you yeah ever had that oh yeah 
you think you're going to die. You actually think that you will never be able to breathe again. It's yeah. the worst feeling in the world. And um, and so thankfully I was able to breathe again and come to and got up and my mom is like, and the horse is like, you know, over there eating hay, like, oh, thank God she's off of me. <laughs> and my mom is like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, I, I, what just happened? And she's like, okay, get up. You know, and my mom being like the great mom is, she's like, you can get up. You can walk, can't you? <laughs> and so I get up and we walk to the house and, you know, of course, making like mean eyes at the horse. And we walk to the house and, and everything. And uh, I could hardly even sit down mm. for several days, except for my mom's like, well, I know how much you love riding horse. So you do have to get back on that horse tomorrow. Otherwise, you will never get back on it. You'll be so afraid to get wow. back on it. I can't believe, I don't know if I'd even do this to this day. My mom had me get back on the horse. I got back on it. And actually that next day it stumbled and tripped when we were going through a little, a little, uh, a, a little creek. And I, and, and like, I can't believe that I even survived that and didn't have like flashbacks and, that's um, amazing. and made it, but that's a very practical one. Just don't get on a horse. Cause it's going to buck you off like that at hundred degrees. And it's the second ride of the day. And thankfully I'm blessed to have walked away from it and had, not any massive injuries, but yeah, I wow. I don't want to relive that. I can understand that. Um, I don't know your mom, but I admire her because there's yeah. a lot of moms and dads that would have said, well, little Stephanie is not going to get back on that horse. That's for sure. Stephanie, you should probably never ride a horse again, ever. And who can we sue? So, <laughs> But instead, so I'm going to guess you probably learned a lot of your character and your mindset from your mama. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, Are you turning dad, into your mom? Would you say you're turning into your mom yet? I mean, I like I hope so. She's amazing. Yeah, really? Like, she's she's amazing. Like the greatest ever. Do you have kids? Uh, no kiddos here. Okay. But, um, because I it, it, as a parent, you hope that one day your yeah. kids say, Yeah, my dad's amazing or yes. my mom's amazing. You hope so. So that's a really good thing. They compliment. are. I am so blessed to have them. They are incredible people. And I learn so much from them and so many others every day. Well, we want to learn one more thing from you because like I said, I mean your time is valuable. We've had we Stephanie and I got started talking about airplanes and flying and things like that. So I already took up about twenty minutes of her time before we started recording the podcast. So if you got time for one more story and the lesson that you learned from it, um, that there can be beauty out of struggle, and we all have those situations that didn't work out. We all have those times or losses that we wish we could take back, but. There is a lot of good that can come out of even the worst of times. Um, there can be very, very terrible times, and there can be, you know, mid-range. It is all different levels. But even, interestingly, um, about two years into my career, I had a client that was the best, the biggest, was working with me every month. I was able to serve them. <laughs> they were incredible. It was the best. It was the most fun. So you're talking about the speaking, management, yeah, consulting my, kind my of communica- thing. my actual communications, uh, Gets Communications firm. Okay. And they were my largest client. Um, they were, I didn't think that I would not have them anymore ever because they, we had a contract, we were all good, um, but it was kind of an as-go contract. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're like, I'm sorry, but we no longer need you really as a coach at all. And I was like floored more disappointed because I loved working with them. It wasn't even so much about the money. I just absolutely loved them. Um, and I had like a little bit of grieving that went along with that because it just, it sucked. It was no fun. Also, then I had to go, oops, 
I got to rebuild this. And it is not easy to just rebuild something from scratch because the second you start rebuilding, it's not like work comes tomorrow. It comes many months later. So when you said possible. rebuild, you didn't mean rebuild with the same company. No. You, you meant you had to start over with completely different company, another company and okay. anywhere else, like okay. whether it was financial or whether it was tech or whether it was retail. I mean, I had to start over with all of my business development, essentially. And uh, so to me, I thought it was complete devastation. There's nothing good that can come out of this. How, how can anyone possibly say that? Um, now, it's not good that those things happen, but there are good things that can come next. Um, and interestingly, then I got a call from uh, this company called Nike. <laughs> okay. And they said, uh, and I thought it was a fake email. And they said, uh, we need you to come help us do some media training and, and uh, do some work with, with some of our executives. And I was like, okay, or, yeah, like not a question, but I hope this is real. Yeah, absolutely. They said, we want you to work with us. And uh, I've been working with them ever since. And I probably wouldn't have had the capacity to do all of that work or others potentially had I had this other very large client. And so this made way for this other work. And so, um, but it was partially because they had heard from me from this other company because I had done such great work with them. So doing that great work, knowing good work will come while also hustling, all that came together. That's, you know, there's so many interesting follow-up questions that I could ask you. Um, And I think a lot of that, we we talked about this this morning. I was was making the simple analogy of, you know, if you want to go to Jingle Ball, you can try to call in and win Jingle Ball tickets. Great. I hope you do. But if you really want to take control of your life, and this is kind of a joke example, get online and order your own Jingle Ball tickets. Don't sit there. And I think it's that's kind of like opportunity at the same time. If I want to be the best plumber in the Twin Cities, I can sit there and go, God, I really hope that somebody comes in and teaches me how to be a great plumber. I can. I hope somebody comes in and offers me a great job, or I hope somebody comes into my life that that will be the perfect partner for me. And my thing is always like, well, if you want to make that happen, you've got to go out and make that happen yourself. You do. And I think that I had a similar story to yours that when I got this job, I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and I, you know, was like you, I was young in my 20s. I was cocky. I'd never been fired. I'd had nothing but success, okay? 27 years old. We had the number one show in Columbus, Ohio. They take me and they boom me down to Phoenix to save the station that's struggling down there. It doesn't work. I get fired. The whole staff got Whoa. fired. They changed formats. And I'm devastated. I've never been fired. I mean, I don't get fired. So I go work at another radio station. I'm there for about two years and then I got fired. So it was devastating and awful because I'd never been fired. But if I hadn't been unemployed at that time, when this job came open, I wouldn't have come up here. I don't know what my life or career would be like, but it would be a lot different. It might be better, but it wouldn't be the same. And you wouldn't have been improving the lives of people like me and others who grew up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dave, Ryan, and the morning show, like KW Morning Show. Oh, my gosh. Every single person, every single high schooler in my entire town of Red Wing listened to you every single morning going to school. Oh, that's And, and everywhere else, too. But, yes, it's, it's, it's amazing how are the paths that we don't know uh, what beauty can come from it if we allow it. And we think we have so much control, and we really don't, actually. We have control over certain things in our lives, but some of the really big stuff, we don't have full control. And so if we try to control it, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of going to disappoint at times. If we can kind of control these little pieces that we can and then take control of, of, of going forward and being the best plumber we can and going to these classes and then putting ourselves out there, yeah. and then the rest will come. 
I think that um, I hope you never write a book. It would definitely outsell mine. But this is the reason I wanted Stephanie on the show, because not because, you know, Stephanie said, hey, I've got a lot of great advice to give to people. But I think that, you know, the lesson that you and I can take from somebody like Stephanie is that if you know somebody who's doing something that you admire, find out about some of the things that make them live their life the way they live their life. I mean, you know, if you if you you know got a, a a relative or somebody you know that doesn't live the their best life and doesn't always make the best decisions, you wouldn't say, "Gee, Frank, tell me how you got thrown in jail and and why you're you know why you have all these problems." You wouldn't want to learn much from them. Well, maybe you could learn yeah. on how to <laughs> avoid to things. <laughs> but I think that in your life, when you when you see somebody that you want to go, "Wow, I'm impressed by them. I want to emulate them a little bit." Then, then find out some of what their life lessons are. And they might not even have consciously thought about them, but once you ask them, they might go, oh, yeah, well. So, Stephanie, thank you for, for sharing some of your me. life lessons. And you too. Your life lessons, I mean, your your book is amazing. And what you do is... is go on. No, seriously. It is it is really, really great to see what you do, how you do it, how you inspire, how you make people laugh and I mean, all those sorts of things that are really important in life. So. It is important, yeah. And it's, you know, it's a real privilege to have a platform. And I think that, you know, I, that's something that I really appreciate because I think that, you know, we all, there's people we know that don't have a platform. And so I really try to respect that and and try to help people with, you know, I always say learn from my mistakes so you don't have to make the same ones I did. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, Stephanie Getz, is there a website we should check out if we want to find out yes, more? Yes, yes. It's Getz.com with two M's dot com. So Getz, C-O-M-M dot com. G-O-E-T-Z. You got it. C-O-M-M dot com. Yeah, like Stephanie yes, gets what she wants. She does get what she wants. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie, for being on. Thank you. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Uh, check out the book. It's available everywhere. Books are sold. It's on Amazon.com. There is a Kindle version. There is a Facebook. I'm going to take a picture of me and Stephanie here in a little while so you can go on Facebook and see what Stephanie looks like. As you hear a voice, you're like, well, I want to see what they look like. Um, send an email with your feedback, any questions, any topics you want to cover. Send that to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. And thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.